This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, presented by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds are on the radio. The Hot Stove League is brought to you by JTM Food Group. Let's create great dishes together. JTM, PNC Bank, the official bank of the Cincinnati Reds. PNC, make today the day. Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation, where there's help, there's hope. And by Wings and Rings, 16 area locations and proud sponsor of the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds Hot Stove League is also brought to you by Kelsey Chevrolet, Route 50 and 275 Lawrenceburg, Greater Cincinnati's full-service dealer. From their family to yours, Ralph's American Grill in Wilmington, Ohio. Visit ralphsgrill.com and by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds are on the radio. Now the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. Hey, very delightful good evening to you and welcome in once again. We are at the Bet MGM Sportsbook Inside Nation Kitchen and Bar at the Banks. It's the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF. With Jim Day, I'm Tommy Thrall. It is great to be with you. Jim, we've got a crowded show. There's a lot to talk about on this show today and a couple of good guests as well. Indeed, and we're getting closer, closer to hearing that snap of a baseball hitting those gloves and all the wonderful sounds of spring training. We are just weeks away. Pitchers and catchers, what, February 13th? Yep, that's the day they report and then work out the next day. And we've got uh, a hot stove leak on report day from Arizona. Indeed, on that Tuesday. Oh Looking forward to that. That should be fun. Uh, certainly, as I said, great guest today. Um, I was on the caravan yesterday. How was it? With Sean. It was outstanding. That was great. We went all around the uh, Cincinnati area, um, went over to Lawrenceburg. It was tremendous. So, but I was, I was, I had Sean Pinder, who for the last five years has been the Reds' vice president of player development. He got promoted out of that role now. Uh, still, similar responsibilities. Played a major role in this pipeline. Huge the players that you're seeing at the major league level now played a major role. In that. You want to talk about overhauling a culture within the Reds minor leagues? Sean Pinder is yep. almost solely responsible yep. for changing the culture in the uh, Reds minor league system, and he's done an excellent job. So anyway. Uh, I was on the bus with him, traveling all over on the caravan, caught up with him. So we've got a few minutes with Sean Pinder coming up. And to get the show started today, how about last year's first-round draft pick, Rhett Lauder, drafted seventh overall. He joins the show right out of the gate. Uh, Former Wake Forest Demon Deacon. Rhett, thanks so much for being on with us. How are you on this fine day, and how much are you chomping at the bit to try to get your first professional season underway? Oh, I'm doing good, and yeah, I'm super excited to get out to spring training and, and finally get going. What, what's the anticipation like going into your first spring training? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited to just get out there and get to meet some more guys. I haven't quite met everyone throughout the organization, so um, just to meet more people and, and, you know, just kind of playing baseball every single day. There's nothing much better than that. 
After you signed last year, uh, you reported but didn't pitch competitively in a game. You had uh, pretty much reached your innings limit uh, in their eyes uh, at Wake Forest. But how much did you learn just reporting and being around pro baseball for the first time? Oh, I learned a ton. Um, kind of just talking to some of the guys that were that were there rehabbing early on when um, right when I got drafted and just seeing how they went out with their days. And then I, I spent some time in Dayton on a development list and getting to meet some more of those guys and kind of seeing what uh, a day looked like throughout the minor league. So, you know, I was kind of just sitting back and um, doing what I needed to do, but also just watching everyone and see, see what, what it looked like. You had some pretty big highlights last year. I mean, you were pitcher of the year in the ACC for the second consecutive year, just the second pitcher in ACC history, by the way to win back-to-back Pitcher of the Year honors. That's nothing to uh, sneeze at. Um, You set the single-season wins record at Wake Forest, single-season strikeout records, and then to cap it all off, this is probably maybe a highlight, maybe it's not, I don't know, uh, but you go head-to-head against Paul Skeens, who was the number one overall pick in the College World Series. Um, Now, unfortunately, Wake Forest came out on the wrong side of that game, but you guys both pitched your tails off how was that pitching in the college world series against another guy that went in the first round i mean it, it was actually it was unreal it was super fun um i mean I, the only thing i would change so much was came out on top of that it's everything you dream of going to the college world series just being there was awesome and um being able to pitch twice and then ultimately in one of the, the biggest games in college world series history was it was pretty cool and um you know, it's such a fun game. Craig Paul, he's a really good guy and a really good pitcher. So it really uh, really let the fans live up to the hype in that one. For the fans that are listening and they're just learning about Rhett Louder, tell them what your repertoire is. What pitches are you going to bring to the table? What's your out pitch? What's the pitches you think you need to work on? Yeah, so I throw uh, two different fastballs, a four-team and a sinker. Typically, I live around in the mid-90s, um, 93 to 96, maybe go a little higher sometimes here and there. Um, but I'd say most people probably, if you've watched me pitch, probably recognize my changeup. That's probably the one that's gotten the most attention. It's a good swing and miss pitch. I throw to either either righty or lefty. And then my slider is uh, my last pitch that's come along a lot in my uh, recent years. And honestly, one of, it was probably my more most comfortable pitch leading up until – the end of last year and it's it's a little bit firmer smaller more depth instead of sweep but um you know that's what i'm working with and you know i kind of just keep hoping to fine-tune that those four right there and then see what see what that does for me at the next level uh, talking about your pitch mix there one of the things that you've been able to do and i would assume your mix has something to do with this you're you're pretty pitch efficient um, now, you get your strikeouts, obviously, setting the school record, uh, as I mentioned, in single-season strikeouts. But most pitches you threw last year, 105, not that that's nothing, but uh, you, you consistently went deep into games. Are you and do you pride yourself on being pitch efficient? Yeah, definitely, especially this past year. something I put a big focus on just because I knew we had such a good team and we had such a good bullpen. So I was trying to eat up as much of the game as possible and then eventually, you know, I'd get deep into the seventh inning and if you're if you're trying to just keep that pitch count down and fill up the strike zone and get ahead early, 
uh, you kind of can get deep into games on low pitch counts. And then, like I said, our bullpen was so good, I didn't really ever need to go over that, like, 105, push it to anything um, crazy. And so it took a little bit of load off me while also uh, I could get a little bit deeper in the game. So, yeah, it was definitely something I, I really took pride in. Most of the group of starting pitchers that will either be in the Reds' major league rotation this year or vying for that rotation were drafted and developed by the Reds. They've come up through the Reds' pipeline. How much excitement does it give you knowing that the Reds have been doing a pretty good job of recognizing and developing talent and working with a guy like Derek Johnson? No, it gives me a lot of hope that uh, one that – I feel like they've drafted some pretty good arms in the past, so they have a pretty good eye for um, for pitchers that can that can help at the big league level. And two, that they trust those guys to go through the organization and up each level and and challenge them, which is something I'm really excited for. And yeah, I think that's one of the one of the best things um, that I'm looking forward to the most. Actually, is just being able to be challenged in, in at each level and not afraid to afraid of failure because I see like. There's got super young guys like Andrew Abbott. I've played against him in college, and he's already up contributing big time to the to the big league team. So it's it's definitely exciting. Everybody moves through the minor league system at their own pace. Um, you're a guy that, that you know a lot of the the reports, and I'm sure you see some of them. I'm sure you hear it, and I'm sure you believe it too. You're the type of guy that could move quickly. Um, how do you balance that while still also? understanding that if it doesn't happen right away, that's okay, too. Is there something that you intend to do? Do you have goals for yourself to push yourself? I mean, how, how do you balance balance all that? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of something that I've been practicing for a while and trying to set goals that aren't uh, result-oriented. It's kind of about the process. So, you know, just going in and um, challenging whatever level I'm at and – trying to do the best I can at each level and learn from when I mess up. And then I think if I do that and take care of what i got to do every day, I'll, I'll eventually end up where I want to be anyway. So uh, I'm not going to set goals based on results or, or where I'd like to end up. It's just kind of know what it, I need to do day in and day out. And if I do that, I should be happy where I'm at. I've got a really highly journalistic question. This is very important. <laughs> You had some long hair last year. <laughs> Are we coming into camp with the long locks, or give us an update on the hair? There's, it's still there for now, so uh, I don't have a haircut appointment before February 13th, so I think you're going to be there. <laughs> You'll fit right in. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. As you talk about uh, you know, kind of setting goals for yourself, what, what do you want to get out of this season? Um, it's your first taste of pro ball. Do you have any expectations coming into the season? Do you have goals for yourself? I mean, how, how do you kind of approach this first year? Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to have expectations coming in just because I feel like it's it's going to be something completely new. Obviously, the game's going to be the same, but you know, the, some of the goals I have are really just just to just to challenge myself in in every aspect, like in my daily routine and weekly routine. Um, maybe like the shorter schedule than throwing and, and comeback and everything. So I just want to put myself in the, uh, the best spot each week to, to you know, really do perform at my highest level. And, and I know it might, it might be a little bit rough at first, um, just trying to figure everything out. But I mean, I, I'm kind of looking forward to that as weird as it may seem because three years doing the same college um, routine, seven days, uh, I feel like I got a pretty good hang of that. 
And so it's going to be fun to, you know, mess up a little bit going into pro ball and having not such a set routine, um, maybe a little bit shorter and something i got to figure out what works now at this level. Speaking of uh, that College World Series, you not only went against Skeens, but you went against Ty Floyd, who now is in the Reds organization pick behind you. And I know you guys got a chance to hang out and perhaps have developed a bit of a relationship. Does that help? to have a guy like that that's going to go through the same rigors that you're about to go through? Oh, yeah, it's definitely very helpful to have um, somebody that has been through a similar path to me up until this point. Um, and, yeah, we I mean, we were roommates early on, and we had, we both went to, like, an early January camp. We were roommates then, so we, we developed a good relationship. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely have, nice to have someone that's kind of uh, alongside this journey with me and hopefully – uh, we go through this together and get get to where we want to be. Brett, before we let you go, uh, you look at the big league rotation, obviously some guys that have already had some good success at the major leagues but still have a lot of promise. When you look at that rotation, uh, are you able to kind of picture yourself and, and, and put yourself in there mentally uh, without getting too far ahead of yourself? And does that does it get you excited a little bit? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I always – try to visualize where I want to be and and uh so that's a big part of it and yeah I definitely get excited but you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself but at the same time as we were talking about earlier there's a lot of young guys in in the um in the rotation that are doing pretty good things for the team so you know it's out there and I just need to keep keep my head down and work hard and I think uh I'll be happy where I end up. Well, Rhett, certainly appreciate the time. Look forward to getting to know you a little better down in uh, Arizona at spring training and uh, wish you the best of luck this year. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rhett. Yeah, thank you, guys. That is Rhett Louder, the Reds' first-round draft pick last year. He checks in this year as the number two prospect, according to the good folks at Baseball America. A lot to talk about today. The Reds issued some minor league awards. We'll talk about those. Plus, Sean Pinder joins us a little bit later on. It's the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League live from the BetMGM Sportsbook inside Nation Kitchen and Bar at the Banks on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF. We're live at the BetMGM Sportsbook inside Nation Kitchen and Bar here at the Banks. Thanks for joining us. Pretty good crowd now assembled here. Don't miss a moment at the ballpark with your 2024 season ticket membership. Plans start at just 13 games and include guaranteed access to 2024 opening day, postseason, and so much more. Call 513-381-REDS today great to have Rhett Louder on and talk baseball with him and and what his aspirations are I mean this guy hasn't even thrown a professional pitch yet um, expectations very lofty obviously on him a lot of the folks wondering on Twitter today writing in about the show want to know where's he going to start and Jim I gotta believe if he sees some time at high a it will probably be brief just to kind of get his feet wet but uh, everything I understand about Brett Louder or Rhett Louder is that he is a guy that is advanced and could move rather quickly. I would guess most of his season will be spent at Double A. Yeah, there have been people that have speculated, "Hey, can he make the rotation out of camp?" Not a not a chance. No, no, no chance. If he goes to, I, I would start him in Double A for me, but expect him to probably be in High A. But that might be one or two starts. He will be on the fast track. They'll want to get him to Double A as quickly as possible. And, you know, we saw a guy like Andrew Abbott who raced through the system. 
and uh, similar stuff in that they people boast about not only their stuff but how mature they are as a pitcher uh, in between the lines and off that the guy is a thinking man's pitcher he knows what he's doing and that if you have a changeup that is and he talked about a changeup if you have a changeup man you can you can be on the fast track because that's a pitch that not everyone has and that is a difference maker well and the, the other thing about the changeup and you may think well it seems like such an easy pitch to throw first of all it was everyone it, would throw also true um, but it's it's not that it's a necessarily a hard pitch to throw but it's a it's a hard pitch for guys that haven't had it forever to know how to use so guys that have it already when they get to pro ball they're already comfortable with how they use it they're comfortable throwing a pitch that's not as hard as their fastball and they usually have a pretty good idea of just how to pitch not only off that but off the fastball as well and change speeds and mix things up if you've got a change up at, at the early stages You've got some pitchability, and that allows you to move pretty quick. And also love the fact that he's a college pitcher. Um, he's pitched at the highest level that you can pitch at in college baseball. He's older, so he's th- those guys are much more ready and much more polished to make a fast track through the minor league system. And I rely on guys that have seen and talked to him personally while he's pitching and now Reds Hall of Famer Danny Graves, who covers a lot of college baseball, a few years back, he raved about Andrew Rabbit. You guys, he called it the invisible, I think, his fastball. You guys are going to love his fastball. Turns out he set the world on fire when he got here. Hit a wall, yes, but you can see the talent that Andrew Rabbit has. He's raved just as equal about Rhett Lauder as he did Andrew Abbott. And he said, trust me, you guys are going to love this guy. He's going to be on the fast track. He's going to be a solid major league pitcher. I trust Danny's opinion. So very excited to see him in Goodyear. Yeah, Danny does a lot of games in the college ranks, so he has a chance to see these guys. And uh, Danny is a very astute observer of talent. So that that is uh, certainly some high praise. Um, We're talking about where he starts, and, and you're talking about you might start him at double A. There's a possibility he could end up there. I think the spring is going to go a long way in determining exactly where he at is in relation to pro ball. I mean, yeah. even though you're coming from college and you're an advanced college guy, it's still an adjustment. But spring training, you're able to, to glean a lot about a guy and where they are from a maturity standpoint and where they could fit in the minor leagues in spring training. We talk about how you can't make too much out of spring training, and that's true when you're trying to – evaluate guys with relation to the big leagues but when you're trying to figure out where a guy fits into the minor league system you can get a lot of that out of spring training no question about it uh especially in pitching in arizona that is a uh, that is a different animal to pitch there the ball just doesn't break as much as normal so that's it's going to be an adjustment for him but i could see the merits of starting him in high a in that you expect him to go there and have success, and you want him to have success and confidence from the get-go. So if it's if he's there for one or two starts, or maybe a little longer, then and he's having success, then great. You know, kick off his career in fine fashion. Sean Pender is the Reds' senior advisor to Nick Crawl and the general manager Brad Metter. He joins us next. You're listening to the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, presented by UDF, live from the BetMGM Sportsbook Inside Nation Kitchen and Bar at the Banks on the Reds radio network welcome back into the Budweiser Reds hot stove league presented by UDF we are live at the bet MGM sportsbook inside nation kitchen and bar at the banks and we will be back here again 
next week. Make your reservations now to watch the big game on February 11th at the BetMGM Sportsbook and Nation Kitchen and Bar at the Banks. Sportsbook features a full menu and beverage service from local favorite Nation Kitchen and Bar. The food is delicious, I might add. With the restaurant area open to all ages for big game reservations, please call 1-888-813-0040. Learn more at reds.com slash betmgm. And we can speak from experience on the food because we are... You're struggling to get through that read because you just were pounding food. In crushing the it. Let's be honest with our audience. We've got a buffet of deliciousness in front of us, and I'm not too proud to say it. That's just the way it is. That's just how it is. When there's food, we're going to eat it. And I say we because I'm not the only one. Um, Sean Pender's always a treat to chat with. And yeah. we talked earlier about how he is a big reason why the Reds have been able to turn their minor league system around in relatively short order. Five years he was in charge of the minor leagues as the vice president of player development. He has since been promoted this offseason to senior advisor to the president of baseball operations and senior advisor to the general manager. So now he's got two bosses, Nick Crawl and Brad Metter, to answer to. Um, but really, it, it, it's there are some role changes involved in that, but, but guys that are still doing very similar responsibilities. But Sean still has a great pulse for what's going on in the Reds minor league organization. So as I mentioned before, I was on the caravan with him yesterday, had a chance to catch up with him, and here's my conversation with Sean Pinder from the bus during the Reds' caravan. I want to start with this. Um, you know, we saw all these exciting players come up last year. There's nobody more familiar with them than you are. How does a guy like Ellie De La Cruz go from a guy that signed for, really in the baseball perspective, a few thousand dollars to maybe the most exciting prospect in baseball in relatively short order? How does that happen? Well, I think ultimately it gets back to Ellie's talent. It's certainly, I mean, there are very few players that you can naturally say are five-tool prospects. And I think the other thing that at least I've learned about Ellie in the last several years is his just natural intellect. He's a very smart kid. He understands the game. He's got a great passion. And as you watch him play, you see the, the energy and the, uh, the commitment that he has to it. So uh, I think it's a combination of both his natural athletic ability and his, his makeup. As you look at this farm system, we're seeing already some of the products that are being produced. Uh, we saw Matt McClain might have been the best of, of that group that came up last year. We've seen what Noel V. Marte can do. We've seen what Christian Encarnacion Strand. We, we've seen glimpses of all these guys. Is there another wave coming, and, and how, do you, how do you balance it all? Well, I think there is another wave coming. We've got some outfielders. Obviously, we have some infielders and some really interesting young pitching prospects. We're all excited to see uh, this year in spring training. So, yeah, I think the wave is certainly here. I'm not sure the wave will be as fast when you look at a Matt McLean who was so mature and prepared to do what he needed to do and has such a great mind for the game as well. Um, but we're confident that this, uh, this train will keep going with some of the recent drafts and international signings, and certainly the trades we've made have helped. The international signings are certainly getting a decent amount of attention, and for, for good reason. What's the success? What's led to the success in the international realm? I think one of the things we did is we started to invest more specifically in athletes and uh, in kids that have a stronger physical presence. The, one, the first thing that I started to notice in the last several years 
is the physical maturity and the size and strength of some of these kids. And that just helps when you start at the beginning of your career that you're not undersized. And uh, at this point, they can just manage it more physically to start. So I think that's really helped in the development process. Edwin Arroyo is a guy that gets a lot of attention. People talk about him as, as really already being a major league caliber defender, waiting to see what the bat does. H how do you envision testing him over the course of the season coming up? Well, I think he'll start in double-A for sure, um, and that's unless something else changes as far as a trade or an injury. But um, he'll start in double-A, and we'll see how he does. Obviously, we finished him in double-A, and he showed great improvement there. Actually, in a short amount of time, was more offensive and showed the same stability defensively that we were looking for him to give us. As far as pitching goes, who are some of the guys that you're really excited about? Chase Petty's been with us on the caravan, uh, but, but who are some of the guys that, that, that really stand out to you from a pitching standpoint? Well, uh, Christian Roa is certainly an, an exciting bullpen option for me. He could certainly still be a starter as he develops his, his repertoire. Um, and some of the new guys that we have, you know, Louder and Floyd um, are guys. And then we've got a really neat group of guys uh, that will probably go to double-A this year and, and fight for opportunities that um, should hopefully put them in double-A, triple-A realm. And we all know from double-A up, based on what we did this year, there's a number of guys that, you know, could help in the big league level if we need this year. You obviously have a big background in development. Um, talking with Nick Crawl a couple of times throughout the course of this offseason, one of the things that he's talked about with, with adding the depth at the major league level is how much that can help development, meaning it, it, it keeps you from having to push guys before they're ready to get to the big leagues. And anytime you're promoting somebody to the big leagues, there's somebody in the minor leagues that might be moving before they're ready to. So how much how much do the moves that have been made to create depth in your mind really foster better development in the minor leagues? I think that's where a lot of the trades really helped us because what it did is it just slowed down the, the, the machine of trying to produce players. And it gave them a chance to stay at a level where they could actually learn the things that we think are important for them to be ready for the next level. So just slowing it down enough to allow more complete player development has really been a great asset. Sean, thanks for the time. Thank you for having me, Tommy. Sean Pinder joining us on the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, our recorded conversation from yesterday on the caravan. Um, great to chat with him. I mean, you, you talk about a guy that's got a pulse of the minor league system. Uh, he, I, you can't say enough good things about uh, what he has done and meant to this organization. And not afraid to set the tone. I've, you know, heard about uh, certain meetings or if, Something's going on in a minor league workout. If it's not going well, not afraid to stop it and get in some faces and say, we're going to start this over, uh, kind of setting a tone. And he's a mixture of old school baseball and mixing in analytics. It's, to me, the perfect type of executive where obviously analytics are important. Uh, it would be stupid if you didn't look at them. They're just stats. People get uh, it's information. The wrong idea. It's information, so people get the wrong idea about it. So you'd be crazy not to use them. But also mixing in old school baseball instincts, using your eyes for defensive purposes, etc. Got to use your eyes, you know, like some of those great baseball minds, Tommy. Uh, so I, to me, that's a perfect mix for an executive. We uh, talk about the minor league award winners when we come back. This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF on the Reds Radio Network. 
Welcome back into the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF. We are live at the BetMGM Sportsbook Inside Nation Kitchen and Bar here at the Banks. You can join us for a couple of the remaining shows that we've got. We'll be back here next Tuesday. Tuesday. Not Wednesday, Tuesday. Yes. I had a moment of panic earlier this week when I was trying to make plans for next week, and I thought, wait, is that show on Tuesday? Yeah, don't bail on me. No, it's no. Tuesday. You it is be Tuesday. Here. It's on my calendar. Don't yeah. worry. I won't miss it. You won't miss it. I hope the people that are here won't miss it. Uh, Reds fans, the Pick 6 plan presented by Penn Station. It's here. Choose any six home games and receive an exclusive Spencer Steer bobblehead in the Nike City Connect uniform. For more info, visit reds.com slash tickets. Um, we're talking about minor league awards. They were announced today. We had the Reds annual affiliate luncheon. Reds on radio affiliate luncheon over at Great American Ballpark today. Uh, a lot of guys that were there. Uh, Nick Crawl was a part of that. Marty Brenneman. Who? Uh, Marty Brenneman, I believe is how you say it. Um, a few players. Uh, Carson Spires was a part of that as well. And a couple of the award recipients. Many of those guys were heading out on the caravan today. Uh, so we got to announce the winners. And um, we begin with the 2023 Reds Minor League Pitcher of the Year. That went to... Julian Aguiar, and he led all Reds full-season minor league pitchers with a 2.95 ERA. Uh, he also logged 125 innings, held opponents to a 2.16 average. All of those led Reds full-season minor leaguers, a 6.15 winning percentage. This is a guy that's one of the top prospects in the Reds organization. Baseball America has him at number 14 in this system, and uh, they also think he's probably one of the sleepers right now as far as prospects that aren't necessarily getting a ton of attention. If you are going to build within and – rely on the pipeline, which is the plan for this organization, you would better continue to develop pitching. You do not want to rebuild. You want to reload. You need guys that are constantly coming through the system. You need a lot of depth, and he fits that mold. He was a 12th rounder, uh, Juco pick out of Cypress, California. So he's a guy that uh, was a little bit of a late bloomer, but they feel like he could still at some point be a major league starter. So keep an eye on Julian Aguiar. Uh, he was the Reds minor league pitcher of the year. Minor league position player of the year went to Jacob Herdebees. What a story this guy is. Yeah. Jacob Herdebees led all Reds minor leaguers hitting 330, got up to AAA. This was a guy in that uh, the short draft in 2020 when it was limited to just five rounds. Didn't get drafted out of Army. Reds signed him. They were very aggressive in the non-draft. Baseball powerhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, everybody knows the, the story of Army But that makes Army the story baseball. even more special. Yeah, it, it's really, really cool. Um, so he was a non-drafted free agent, and the Reds are pretty high on him. Well, he ended up being drafted like in the 39th round or something. Before that, by yeah. Seattle. Right, um, correct. And then so went back to Army. Yeah, but the, the bottom line is he made it the hard way. Yeah. And oh, there's had, no question. Guys like that have to earn every elevation through the system by their numbers, by the way they play, and he did. He but, hit it everywhere he went and is one of those guys that is in the mold of a hustler, a battler. He, if he gets to the major leagues, the fans are going to love it. He's, he kind of reminds you, at least reading about him, haven't seen him play yet, hope to see him in spring training. But but everything I've read about him, uh, the, the people that have seen him, that have, that have written about him, uh, he, he reminds me a lot of a guy like T.J. Friedel, oh, yeah. not, a guy that's not afraid to lay down a bunt. He, yeah. He's fast. He can steal bases. He's a, he's a good outfielder. They say he can play all three in the outfield. So. Mm-hmm. 
So and real, he and the guy. Well, I'll let you go with the next award here. Yeah. Well, that is the another sh- guy that's in a similar boat. Very similar. Sheldon Chief Bender Award. This is uh, given to the top overall player throughout the entire Reds minor league system. And Blake Dunn was recognized as the Chief Bender Award winner. Uh, currently, the number thirteen prospect in the Reds organization by the good folks at Baseball America, and he was the Southern League batting champ in Double A last year. Yeah, a little older. Uh, has dealt with some injuries throughout his career, so he's one of those later bloomers because of that. But that's not a, a knock in my eyes. He's, he's m- much more mature baseball player. But both of these guys have a unique opportunity in Herdebees and Blake Dunn in that right now, as the roster stands, T.J. Friedel's your only center fielder. Right. You've got guys that could possibly play there, but not on an everyday or a consistent basis. So that's a major question mark going into spring training. Who's going to be the backup center fielder? Now, the Reds might go out and sign some type of veteran free agent, a bench role to fill that void. But even if they do that, you are an injury away from getting the call to the big league. So both of these guys are going to have a tremendous opportunity in spring to go show what they can do. Their names to to keep an eye on. They're they're guys to watch for in spring training. Kind of Mm -hmm. keep an eye on what they're doing. The organization will have a close eye on them. As you mentioned, the Reds' outfield depth uh, is, is... I don't want to say it's a question mark, but it, it's a little bit unknown at this point. Yeah. These guys could certainly help fill some of that void. We'll wrap it up as we wrap up the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League from the Bet MGM Sportsbook Inside Nation Kitchen and Bar at the Banks on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF. Live from the BetMGM Sportsbook Inside Nation Kitchen Bar down here at the Banks. Got a uh, question from Twitter. This one from Josh Ura. Um, or Twitter.com. The app now referred to as X, I guess, is, is the proper way to uh, say it. But uh, Josh wants to know. Twitter to me. Yeah, it's still Twitter. Uh, do you think the Hall of Fame is becoming watered down? We just had the uh, Hall of Fame class uh, announced yesterday. I He's asking, is it now Hall of Really Good? I don't think it's watered down. It's great players going into the Hall of Fame that are Hall of Fame worthy. I wouldn't say it's watered down. No, I, I don't think it's watered down. I mean, you're always going to have guys that are going to bring about debates, and that whole first ballot, second ballot, third ballot is just ridiculous to me. I can't believe that we're still talking about that. Like a couple years later, the guy's stats changed, and he's all of a sudden a <laughs> Hall of Famer. But. Don't get me going on that. But I, I don't – no, I don't think it's watered down. No, I, I mean, it's a museum. Yeah, so, and I, I still think it's the best Hall of Fame in sports. Uh, do, would you agree? Do, would, do you have a more prestigious Hall of Fame in sports? Uh, per, uh, the NFL is pretty – Well, it's a great building. It's a, it's a great tradition. It is. But it's just, uh, I'm just talking about what the, the plateau that the NFL is on right now. So it's a pretty big deal. And it's – I don't know. I just feel like there's guys that go into the Hall of Fame that I've never heard of. Well, there's a lot more guys on the roster. Well, there too. are. There are yeah, a lot just... more players, a lot more positions. So, but if I've if if that you're... one may be watered down a little more. That's what I think. That one's more watered down. That's why I think baseball continues to uphold the prestige. If you're a Hall of Famer, you've earned it. Yeah. And, and I, I just don't think there's anything that can take away from that. I, I, well, there's I, a mystique to Cooperstown. No there, question. There's about a much it. bigger mystique to Cooperstown than there is Canton, Ohio. I love Ohio. I'm an Ohioan, but. Uh, face facts. There is a, a, a definite, much more mystique to the baseball, the National Baseball Hall. I thought everybody that got in was deserving this year. I, 
I mean, Joe Maurer was a no-brainer. Todd Helton, very deserving mm-hmm. in my yeah. book. I, I guess is Todd Helton the one that people would maybe have exception? Well, they, exception they talk to? about the, the Colorado uh, offensive numbers being elevated because of the elevation there. Wow, see what I did there. Um, so good. That that, it's always going to spark debate there. That would what was his? Well, you think there's a, never going to be a Rocky that's deserving of the Hall of Fame? I, I'm no, not saying I agree him. with it. I'm just telling you what well, people right, argue. I still, I just think he's I thought Helton was a great, great, great hitter. Well, also a great athlete. Great athlete. Did you yeah. see the video of him throwing the 60-yard pass in Tennessee? Yeah, it's just stupid. Yeah, it's insane. Well, Joe Maurer, yeah. when he came out, he was the number one quarterback and the number one. Baseball player at the same time coming out. And they stole they stole some of your athleticism. You're supposed to share some of that with Jimmy, but you didn't get it, did you? <laughs> That's you had all. to get a dig in, didn't you? I had to. I've almost gone the entire time. You're going to be As heading. Many corn dogs. You destroyed. No, they by were the delicious. Uh, you're going south there. on the caravan this weekend, correct? I am going south. Looking forward to it. Uh, you can see Jim at Louisville Slugger Field, the National Corvette Museum in Red Mile. I am heading north. Looking forward to that. Going to be at the National Museum of the Air Force and then Apollo Career Center Saturday. That's all the time we have. Big thanks to Stone Shields. Also our guest, Rhett Louder, uh, Sean Pinder. For Jim Day, I'm Tommy Thrall. Good night. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.